1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Hello there, friends. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. It's been a while since we've actually done one of these. It isn't the hype cast. We just want to let you know that we still exist. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Bruns, Brian Kristofferson. You both seem very confused by that opening.
2: Yeah, that was something. <laughs>
1: bc's still stunned it was kind of golfing now yeah you're sorry nance i want jim nance buddy i wanted to be warm and inviting and let
0: people know that they can still listen to this podcast even though we've been somewhat erratic for the last month
1: we're here when it counts we're in season (laughs) we're ready to roll doesn't matter what we did in camp it matters what we do now He's, he's not taking any of your anger.
0: He's letting you know that we're here. That's what matters. Sick of
1: the general public riding in our <laughs>
0: butt. Yeah. Uh, all right. Nebraska lost to Minnesota. That was last week. We're going to discuss it a little bit. We'll get uh, the ball rolling for this Nebraska-Colorado matchup that you may or may not have heard. It's happening on Saturday. Big noon kickoff on Fox Um, you know, on Twitter, there's a way that you can mute certain phrases. So you like, you don't have to see Taylor Swift or whatever, if you don't want to, but on your television, it's going to be really hard to, uh, to mute every time they say coach prime. So just be, be prepared for that at home. Uh, unless you just, you know, mute it and sync it up with the Nebraska radio broadcasts. Some people do that. I, uh, I will not be one of those, but Nebraska, Colorado this weekend, before we get there real quickly, each of you, give me a thought. Leftover thought: Nebraska, Minnesota season opener. Brunts, go.
2: Yeah, I, I did my second rewatch actually last night of the uh, the a game. Second, how many do you get into a week? Usually, usually I, I get uh, I get two in. Um, I don't know. It, you know, defensively they played even better than I kind of thought. Like I, I really was pretty impressed with the. The the changes that they made after halftime, and kind of what they were able to get done uh, against Minnesota. I mean, they they really took away what Minnesota wanted to do, and I know that Minnesota was going to do things diff- a little differently this year with personnel and whatnot. But they really did a nice job there. Offensively, it, it's about what I what I thought. I mean, I was it I worse than get... it looked in person. Offensively, yeah jeff Sims kind of papered over a lot of issues um the 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 thing that needs is gonna need to have some work this week is that they're gonna need to figure out some kind of short passing game because it just wasn't it wasn't there something quick i thought your your piece this week on the site and finding good throws um for sims i think that's helpful so um yeah that that, that was kind of my 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 uh, second 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 uh, time around takeaway. BC, what do
0: you got for us?
1: Yeah, um, I nothing that nobody's talked about. I guess Ethan Piper I thought was interesting yesterday and in kind of laying out um, if you want to look at the glasses being half full of Kool Aid um, for the offense after the first game and before that's just dismissed. I thought it was interesting when you think about. They actually did run for 209 positive yards in a game where in the first half, they barely had the ball. It was so disjointed. The new clock rules are part of that, but it was also, you know, the defense as well as they played, they struggled to get off the field on third down. So at one point on the stat sheet, Minnesota had 32 snaps to Nebraska's 13. And that was with like four or five minutes left in the first half. And, when you consider of those 13 snaps, the first drive started at the one yard line where you're just trying to get it out of there and basically do what they did. And it was sort of a win. Um, They actually were pretty good on the majority of two of the three drives. Now I know you'd say, well, they didn't finish. They didn't score points and that's what matters. And so you got to make those plays down there and it's going to come down to can Jeff Sims avoid those two to three mistakes to me, but I get where Piper's coming from that, I don't think the offensive line and the offense walks out of that first game just shattered in confidence or anything. Um, They actually went, I think, and looked at the film and thought, like, we were kind of meeting the formula we had going in. We just have to clean up some of these mistakes. Now, whether they can or not in this type of setting, I'm not sure. But I did get Ethan Piper's point, and I think it's – if you want to be optimistic heading to Colorado about the offense, I I think you could find some things there. If, if you, uh, if you scan it long enough. Brunt's
0: whose face comes off the milk carton first out of these three players. We're going to three different positions here. Ramir Johnson at running back. He had a very limited role in, in Thursday's contest, but he did have that big kick return. You have Thomas Fedoni, 30 plus snaps. no, no, Maybe one target, one target, no catches. Um, and then Billy Kemp, the thought to be Nebraska's top wide receiver, no catches in this first game. If you were going to pick one of those guys to come off the milk carton this weekend against Colorado, which way are you leaning?
2: Was Gabe Urban off the milk carton already? He wasn't Well,
0: option? he had enough – Like I mean, he led the if, team he had, in he rushes, had as many, non-quarterback, yeah.
2: He had about as many touches in the first three quarters as Ramirez did. Yeah, well – Keep playing uh, the fourth.
0: Quit trying to quit trying to take apart the question and answer the damn thing. I would
2: I would say Irvin first, but I will go with Billy Kemp. <laughs> I uh, I will not go with the premise of your question, but no, Billy Kemp. Your I petulance think it, is noted. Yeah, they have got to find a way to get Kemp going. Um, I I didn't think that the routes that they were trying to find him on um, necessarily fit kind of what they needed in that game against Minnesota. Um, if, if they're going to try to control the ball, I think it's got to be a lot of shorter stuff. And I think that's the area where you know he, he can shine. I mean, he, he's not going to be a guy that's going to go and catch deep balls. And Nebraska's going to have to attempt a few of those. But I think Kemp has to be involved in some form or fashion. I mean, you saw how different the offense looked when Marcus Washington was just in the game and, and actually a threat to catch the ball. I mean, it, it, it made a difference. And, you know, Kemp was only targeted twice in that game. Uh, they, they need to find ways to to get him clicking early. Um, you know, I, I I would have probably, if you would have told me that Billy Kemp didn't have a catch in the first game, I would have bet a sizable amount of money that you'd be wrong. Um, and, and I think part of it was what Minnesota was taking away. And I think part of it was just Nebraska really wasn't looking for him that much. Um, so I, I I would go there, I think, as a guy that, Emerges as, as uh, has to emerge, I think, for this offense to to click a little better. On on the rewatch,
0: was Minnesota largely just trying to take away the short passing game, kind of funnel Nebraska to, to open up the box a little
2: bit? Uh, well, I don't think Nebraska ever did enough to get them out of the box. I mean, I it was kind of a mess. Um, you know, the safeties were creeping up. Um, you know, I I think part of it too was. You know, I, I just didn't think that Nebraska did enough, um, you know, route-wise of guys getting open to to really take advantage of what uh, what Kemp does. So, I mean, all fall, uh, we, we heard about how, you know, crucial he was going to be to this offense. And I, I think you saw uh, what happens when you don't get him involved. So um, that, that's where I look. B.C., nobody's
0: talking about Gabe Irvin. Nobody seems to want to talk about Gabe Irvin. Yeah, that was was
2: directed. Some of us are talking about (laughs) Gabe No, We were going
0: to get there, but you have to answer the question that is asked. That's how this (laughs) works. All right, Brian. The running game, it was a struggle beyond Jeff Sims. What did you see from the running back specifically? What do you think kind of happens moving forward with a Colorado game where it seems like it would behoove Nebraska to really try to control the ball and and probably
1: keep it on the ground? I think – we're gonna see a lot more Gabe Irvin. Um, not positive of that. Um, you know, I. It's interesting because you got to be careful. You can't just throw a guy away because there was a, a fumble. Like I know Grant had the fumble issues, but it's not like he's off the roster. And so, because it, it, this week that was kind of the conversation that, where it basically moves like, well, you got Gabe now, and that's it. I don't think it's gonna work like that. Anthony's got to come back from that and contribute some carries and um you know be dynamic when he has the ball and and hang on to it but i do think it it could you know outside looking in thought help nebraska if they could get a specific running back going for two or three series in a row um as opposed to sort of um this guy here this guy comes in on second down you know and it's just like three different guys on that particular series I'd love to see a drive in this game where Nebraska takes it thirteen plays and the running back is uh, Irvin for nine of them, you know, or something like that. And there's a four yard gain, a seven yard gain, that sort of stuff. Now, um, I have to think going in, Nebraska is going to want to test Colorado up front more than TCU did, just in, in a bully, a bully type fashion. Like, hey, this game's going to be deciding the trenches. We're going to come right at you. If you can stop it, we'll tip our hat and you win. But um, I I do think um, it's going to be a lot more IBAC-centric than it was. But I also think, you know what, you got to do what you got to do to win. And it's always easy in June and July to say, oh, they can't run Jeff Sims that many times. You know, when you get in the game and you're trying to survive and be on top and that's working for you, I get where that could be very difficult to not run Jeff Sims 20 times in this game. If he's a, the threat he was in week one again. So um, I'm not against it um, necessarily this week, if that's what it takes. Cause I think this is a huge game for Nebraska. I just think this is a game where you can really tilt things back um, toward a very optimistic point of view going through this season. It would get that, you know, streak against ranked opponents off the table. That's 21 games straight they've lost there. Um, It would, uh, you know, knock down a neighboring rival that's feeling good about themselves. So um, this is a perfect setup for Nebraska because it's like one of the biggest stages you can be on for a football game. How many people are going to watch this? And yet it's not a game that's beyond their reach that they could, you know, they can win this game. I really think that so that it's a perfect setup right now. They rule couldn't ask for a better setup. I don't think. Brunt's
0: what impressed you the most out of Nebraska's special teams uh, on Thursday? I mean, it felt like pretty much everything they attempted to do largely worked, whether it was the coverage unit, whether it was the big kick return from Ramirez Johnson in the, in the third quarter, Brian Bushini had a good game. Tristan Alvano made his, uh, his kicks during his appearance. What what's up for you?
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know that it could have gone much better for that group. I mean, I I'm trying to think back was there even a play that you would you would kind of you know circle as like, oh man, I can't believe they did that. Like it uh the and I was I was part of it,
0: sort of the just general mocking of that first kick return got to like the nineteen yard line. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, it, you know, and then that that gets washed out immediately in the third quarter when yeah. it's like Ramirez gets to what was it the thirty-five? Like he had like a sixty-five yard return. So yeah. I guess uh, you take the the not so good with the pretty damn great. So
2: you you live with it. And they, you know, I I even thought the way that they played the field position game. I mean, it worked out well. I mean that that first offensive drive where you're pinned back on the one inch line. And, you know, they successfully flipped the field. I mean, that that was a big play in that first half to keep, uh, you know, Minnesota's momentum kind of at bay. I thought, you know, Bushini was good. Uh, the kickoffs were fine. They rotated a little bit, I noticed, with who was handling kickoffs. And I don't know. I mean, even looking at the coverage units, I mean, I've, I felt like they had a pretty good mix of starters and kind of second-team guys. I, I thought that they you know, kind of the attitude that they were playing with, it seemed to kind of exude confidence. And I don't know that special teams has done that with any kind of consistency at Nebraska in quite a while. It, it's always felt like let's go out there and let's try not to screw this up is basically how the, the approach has been. And I thought they, they did a pretty nice job of, um, you know, being a net positive uh, for, for, for the team in that game, even though they fell short.
0: Let's uh let's transition this over to to more Colorado centric. PC talked about it a little bit, big opportunity ahead here for Nebraska. You did either of you, did both of you, did none of you watch the the Colorado TCU game? Who watched?
1: I was at a wedding um delivering a humdinger of a best man speech, but I came back and I uh I checked it out on a kind of a fast replay. So I feel I feel pretty well versed in the game.
2: I saw, I would say about half. I, I, I I watched enough to be able to speak intelligently about it.
1: Okay. All
0: right. Well, that, uh, that's good. We've got our, we've got our Colorado panel here. Let's, let's discuss. Brian, what stood out to you about the Deion Sanders version of Colorado football?
1: Um, his son, I mean, Shadur at quarterback. I just thought like anytime you complete 81% of your passes, no matter you know, what's facing on defense, and that look, TCU returned eight starters from last year, so it wasn't like they didn't have some material. I don't know how prepared they were for what they saw. And the thing you also don't know um, is how much TCU tackled in August and like hit. And I think sometimes you see in the first week teams pay a price that didn't do enough of that. And that's that, that that's a big point in this game. We're going to see if it matters or not. Nebraska definitely hit a lot and they tackled really well in the first week. So if they can carry that over, some of those explosive plays like the you know Dylan Edwards had. Um, you're ideally those are four yard plays, you know, against you and TCU let them become 45, 50 yard house calls. So that's what stood out to me the most was just how great young players were in that, on that stage. You've got to give a lot of credit. I mean, Dylan Edwards, we knew he was a really good recruit. We covered that. Um, so that doesn't surprise us that he's going to be a good college player, but to do what he did in the first game, we'd be going nuts about a guy doing that in his first game. And, um, you know, Travis Hunter, you go back and look at his recruiting profile, he was thought to be the best receiver in that class and the best cornerback in that class. So he's a freak. I mean, he just is. And um, I think what stood out to me is Nebraska is going to have to do a better job than TCU did if he's going to go both ways of making every – play that he's out there like you you're giving him attention and you're giving him a workout you know and so if when he's at corner you gotta you gotta hit him you gotta when you get chances to block and hit him you gotta you gotta try to bring some fatigue to him and uh and make him um pay if he's gonna play 100 snaps in this game so um that that to me was is going to be an interesting component kind of thinking about what was and what needs to be for nebraska
0: Runts, I'm going to remove Jeff Sims because I feel like that's probably the obvious answer. But beyond Jeff Sims, who else has to be an X factor? Either side of the ball could be special teams for Nebraska if they're going to go into Colorado and win that game.
2: Yeah, I think it's got to be up front on defense for Nebraska, I think. Um, You know, this is going to be a game where each team is going to want to play the – the The bulk of the snaps at, at its own tempo. Colorado's going to want to go fast. Nebraska's going to want to slow it down and grind things out and shorten the game. And I mean, as you guys know, you know a a, a truly disruptive defensive line can help so much, um, help a defense so much when you're you're facing speed, the quick game, all that stuff. Because I don't know that Nebraska is going to be able to sit back there and just you know let Sanders. Move around the pocket. They're going to have to force the issue a little bit, and you don't have Ty Robinson in the first half. I I point to a guy like Nash Hutmacher if he can be really disruptive in the middle of that defense, collapse the pocket, and and kind of make Sanders uncomfortable. Um, you know, early in a play, I think that that's huge. I mean, I, I think basically in that that game with Colorado and TCU, I mean TCU signed itself up for a seven on seven game. And Colorado was more than willing to play that style and, and, you know, play with the guys that they've got. I mean, that, that, that's the, that is a recipe that's going to be really bad for Nebraska uh, on Saturday, if it comes to that. So if they can get that defensive line to be disruptive to get guys in and out of there um, and, and then, you know, bringing a fresh Ty Robinson in the second half, I think that would be huge um, because as you know, you start bringing pressure from different areas and having to force the issue that way that's when you start leaving yourself open for um you know athletes in space and having to tackle in space and and you set yourself up to, for giving up big plays so that defensive line i think is going to need to have a really big game um and, and be disruptive You see, are there any players that
0: we didn't see against minnesota that you anticipate could either debut
1: or return from injury against colorado i don't know um henrich was out there on Tuesday, running around, but I wouldn't say, yeah. So, I don't know what that means, well, why are you laughing? What, what do you, what do you gotta say? Don't know. It's just a mental image of like there's a practice going on, and
0: like Nick Henrich is just like doing laps around the field, just, just like, running. You know, like, like my baseball team would practice, and I'd just be running poles because I didn't have anything else to do. It's like, so I don't that's, know. That's what yeah. I'm wondering.
1: I I can picture that. It's like when uh, my family went to church when I was a kid and you go to, like, Village Inn afterwards and people talk for, like, too long and the kids start to run around the restaurant. So, yeah, I don't think that's what he was doing, but um, I don't know that he's cleared for sure. That's going to, I think, be kind of a game time. I didn't hear as much on Jamari Butler. Um, Rule did say early in the week. That was still just sort of a maybe, you know, you're playing it day by day. So I guess those are the two to watch. Other than that, they came out of the game really – good defensively, aside from the um, Ty Robinson um, targeting suspension that'll play over a half. So that's going to be tough to work around because Ty played really well. Like Ty and Nash both played really good football, and you talk about encouraging things. Like I don't think we should just gloss over, and I'm not saying we are, but Nash was a guy who was like a fringe guy on this defense a year ago and he was a true disruptor in game one. Like he made that jump, not just to a guy who's okay, but like he was a problem for Minnesota. So Brunce's point was perfect. I love the seven on seven stuff because Nebraska has got to make this an 11 on on 11 game and make Colorado. I think the, the area people wonder about them is in the trenches and like what they're really about. And I, sometimes you odd as it is in football, you can work around that a little bit if you can get the ball out quick and And that's what TCU allowed that game to be. And Nebraska needs to, uh, as, as bronze pointed out really well, not, not have it be that. So this is going to be a big game though, for like, you know, Cam Lenhart and Prince will. And, um, you know, you know, I would think Judy is going to get a lot of snaps. He played 21 snaps and is actually one of their better pass rushers. If he can keep growing Um, Ruquan Buckley, I would guess might get some more snaps in this game than a couple he had. So, Those guys all have to make the most of their reps in the first half. And then Ty Robinson's just got to make the most out of, like, this is a bad deal, but use it to your advantage in the second half where you're the freshest guy who's just a a problem child for them the the whole way to the finish.
0: A follow-up with you, Brian. Have um, we heard any more on on Malachi Coleman? I mean, that's probably the player I've been asked about the most since the Thursday game. He didn't play. He was a high-profile recruit. Uh, Did Matt Rule speak at all on him this week? Uh, My general stock answer has been it's going to take some time for him to probably be at the point where he's going to contribute as a wide receiver uh, beyond just maybe a gadget play here or there. But um, I'm curious if if Malachi Coleman specifically came up at all or if we've heard anything there.
1: I don't think we've heard anything this week. Um, I know going into the opener, though, that Malachi is like on the cusp of maybe being a contributor and it was, it wasn't sure if it was going to happen right away or if it might be week four or five or six, you know? So I think people do have to have a little patience with that. Um, I think Jalen Lloyd's going to be important though. We already saw him out there and get the ball and uh, he's a speed guy. Um, I think Tommy Hill's a wild card, you know, when he came in for that one play they were confident he was going to run past Minnesota. And watch that one back. He did like more so than I even thought. Like from the press box, yeah. that was yeah, that was the game. Like if that throws there, it's over. And it were it's a whole different conversation around here that week. That's a, that's a thin line of football, isn't it? Like you make that play, and it, Marcus Satterfield's a hero instead of everyone just dumping on him in every possible yeah, way. He's talking about that series in a bad way if that ball's there because he was past him and. You know, as well as anyone, Schaefer and Andrew Ivans covered Tommy Hill probably as good as any analyst. Um, yeah, Colorado's got some freak athletes. Tommy Hill's a freak athlete. And um, the thing that was interesting when he was brought up this week was Rule City's also a tenacious blocker, like if you go back and look at it. So I wonder if he gets out there a little bit more and you you, you get him on Travis Hunter and you you know, you, work, you work on that a little bit. Um, yeah. So a little
0: yeah, THTH action there, Tommy versus Travis.
1: Yeah, good be. You, I mean, we're both great athletes, but yeah. Um, yeah, the Malachi thing is, I, I think people don't need to be discouraged about that. He's a young player. It's it. I think we knew going in it he wasn't going to play a lot right off the bat. Um, and there's some other guys sort of in the wings. You know, we'll see over time if Jaden Doss later in the season gets thrown out there and, and things like that. Um, But Jalen Lloyd is a guy who uh, I'd love to see him take a deep shot with Jalen Lloyd, too, just to show you can. And you talk about good throws for Jeff Sims. Um, I don't mind those plays because the worst case scenario usually is, is like a guy picks it off 50 yards down the field. You know, if it, you know, or it's incomplete, whatever, you can live with that. But you, you make the defense think, okay, they're going to at least have – they have this in their arsenal and they're going to try it. We have to be aware of that, and maybe that opens some things up. So I do think Nebraska needs to hit one big pass play in this game. It's got – you know, that covers like 40, 50 yards that gets everybody going a little bit. I think that's important. All right.
0: Um, Brunce, you, you're gonna you're going
1: to get the radio
0: guy question here. Should we be concerned – about Nebraska's ability to play at altitude.
2: Um no. It's So I think you have to be smart. Like you don't make it more than it is. Um I mean you're you're preparing you get what 9 days to prepare. I mean what what can you really do? I mean it's I get it. Um I mean Nebraska's not going to try to go gangbusters with pace. I mean, I, I think it's something you have to be aware of with your defense um, and, and rotating guys in, but I think this team defensively, as long as they can get, you know, some stops um, will be okay. I mean, I, I think they're going to be a little bit more hard pressed to rotate as much as they did last week against Minnesota. But, um, you know, I do know in 2019 they had some issues within the secondary with guys um you know, kind of getting run down in the second half. I think part of that was the way that they handled special teams um, and, and personnel there. I know I, I've been told that by players that were uh, in that game that that, that was a, an issue. But, um, no, I mean, I, I I think you're aware of it. You don't make it a huge deal, so it gets in guys' heads. But, um, you know, you just got to be smart with rotations. And I, I think Matt Rule will do that. And it, it also, too, kind of goes back to the way that you – you, uh, conditioned in the summer. Like if you're, you know, doing more running and, you know, the types of things that you need to do to, to prepare for the altitude, um, or just prepare in general, I, I mean, I think it'll be fine. So I'm not too concerned about it.
0: All right. Any, uh, any other things that we want to cover here before we, we come to a close? Do you Anything think the
1: GP needs to know BC? Do you guys think too much has been made? Of, as well as Colorado played in week one, like their athletes and um, sort of like basically like they're my, Miami 1992 already because they won a game 45 42. I kind of express my opinion there within the question. But.
0: I think just like with the Nebraska Minnesota game, despite the fact that we have years of evidence that the first week of the season can be a little bit wonky. And it doesn't always show you the full picture of what's to come. Everyone loses perspective. And then the way that they went out and they showed up and they're a competent football team. I mean, there was people like me that had a lot of doubt that they could transition as big of a roster transition as they did and then play, you know, competent football. And they did that. And part of it, it felt like TCU sort of allowed Colorado to play to its strengths and stick to its strengths. But it was a three point win uh, on the road against a a ranked team that I really don't know if they're going to win six games this year. I I came away more unenthused about TCU than I was impressed by Colorado. Does that make sense? Like, TCU's got some real issues. Uh, And maybe Colorado just exposed everything and they're going to be completely fine. But you just look around college football on Saturday, beyond that game, too, lots of teams had issues coming out of the gates. Like that's what happens in week one every year. And, you know, I, I jokingly say this every single year, but there's a lot of truth to it. And you talk to the coaches in the profession and they absolutely believe it. Big jumps happen from week one to week two. Like you get to clean some stuff up. You get to go against a different opponent. You get to see something different. You get to see, you know, something that isn't your team's defense or your defensive end or your cornerback, you know, when you're on offense. And then the reverse when you're on defense. So All of that being baked into it, I I shouldn't have been as surprised by the reaction as I was on Thursday, but I still think Nebraska can go into Colorado. I think they can play a certain style. I think they can make life difficult on Colorado. And given the way the game ended for Nebraska on Thursday, you could make the case, and I think Brian has, where probably the best result that could have happened was Colorado beating TCU a lot of excitement and enthusiasm and hype just surrounding everything that Deion Sanders is doing. And then Nebraska gets a chance to go to to Boulder and try to make it a phone booth game like they just played in Minnesota. So if they're able to do that, if they're able to take how they played up front against Minnesota and they take it to Colorado, I don't think you're going to see 45 points from the Buffaloes. I don't know how many points Nebraska can score. I mean, legitimately, that is a real concern but I think this is going to be another lower scoring game. Um, and I, I think Nebraska has a chance to be in this till the end. Uh, and frankly, I mean, I thought they were a better team two weeks ago. So why am I changing that radically right now? So I I think Nebraska absolutely has a chance to win this game.
2: Front. Yeah, no, I do too. I mean, I like I said, I mean, it's going to come down to which tempo wins out because I think if Nebraska makes it into a four-quarter kind of boxing match I, I think it I think that's the type of game that they're gonna win um I do have concerns about some of the things that I saw from Jeff Sims um, in, in in that opener uh you know I, I, I think I'm still trying to get a kind of wrap my mind around what this offense is gonna be because it just seemed a little bit uh, a little slapdash in game one um you know you, you, you had some good things some things that you know I didn't really understand the decision making behind it. Um, and and I'm kind of eager to see how that looks this weekend. I'm not surprised that, you know, the national reaction has been what it is to Colorado. I mean, it is a story. It's a significant story. I mean, they flipped the roster. They, you know, were terrible last year. And they deserve Uh, credit.
0: Like, I don't want that to come off.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, they've obviously got elite skill guys on, on the front line that you have to be really concerned about. So, um, you know, it, it, it is still the, just the second game of the Matt era, and we're going to figure out, you know, kind of what they can do adjustment wise from week one to week two and week to week and different opponents. So uh, I'm eager to see how that goes, but I, I'm not surprised by the reaction. And I agree with Brian's point that in some ways, you know, it, it, it does kind of set up well for Nebraska to be focused
1: this week going into the game. Anything you want to add, Brian? No, you guys, I was just curious what you thought. Um, I thought it was interesting when Tony White was asked on the radio about Colorado's speed. He didn't downplay it or by any means. He was respectful of it, but I don't know. I, I wonder if, if they think it's that much different than any other speed you're going to see from some really good teams this year. And as he pointed out, really speed, you, you, you say a team is fast when they know what they're doing. Like if Nebraska's defense like feels confident in how they're lined up before the snap and all that stuff, Nebraska I think can match the speed because you just play fast when when you know what you're doing and and because everybody on the field is close to four 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 five you know it's it, that's just the way it is maybe one or two guys is beyond that so <clears throat> I just wonder about that I do think there's sort of this thought that Colorado has all the speed and is going to run around Nebraska I'm not sure. I mean they maybe they will and the word we'll be in awe of it, but I I I still question that. So we'll that's gonna be interesting to me. Do you think there's any advantage that
0: Nebraska gets to the fact that Matt Rule spent the last two and a half years in the NFL? Like so so part of it, like all of the talk about speed, and you kind of mentioned that. Um I mean he's he's coming from the best football that there was. So like it's it's not like the idea that Dylan Edwards can outrun some people is going to be like a shock. It's not like they haven't seen that level of athleticism. It's not like he hasn't game planned against that level of athleticism and had to do it for, I don't know, um, what, like 40 some games before he was let go for the Panthers, whatever his record was there. So um, I, there's like a part of me that almost feels like in a way, it They should have, not necessarily an advantage, but like it it shouldn't catch any of them by that much surprise. I mean, half of those guys on their staff spent last year with the Panthers. Like they were around NFL dudes. Colorado's skill guys shouldn't like leave them, you know, floored. And I would think that that could kind of be passed off to the players too.
1: Yeah, you would, you would, you would think so. The other thing about it is, I mean, Colorado's got a young roster. Nebraska's playing some young guys too, but there are going to be growing pains for them at points this season. The question is whether Nebraska can make Saturday one of those, you know, days where it's obvious, like, oh yeah, everybody remembers like Dylan Edwards is like fairly in college football, you know, some of these guys. Um, and maybe they won't, maybe they won't come down to earth this week and it'll continue for a bit. But, um, so it, it's a fascinating game and, um, I just, I mean, we knew this would be a high-profile one going into it, but Colorado winning has made it. It's going to be one of the more watched games, I think, in college football, like in September. You know, like uh, just because of the the attention that Deion Sanders commands. And rule has said, and I, it's respectful, but I think true. Like it's good for college football. Like this is a sort of stuff that gets everyone all going. Whatever you think of the other side, good or bad, people have opinions on it and um this is a these are the type of games college football needs that aren't just being played in the southeastern conference you know it's a game here in the in the middle of the country that everybody's going to be dialed into
2: brudge final thought uh i yeah i I, i'm i'm actually i'm excited for this game I, i i am uh kind of going off what you just said i i think the excitement just
0: exploding out of that video screen right there. If you're watching on like, was... YouTube, Brunts just gave like 15 fist pumps when he said he's excited for that game. You couldn't yeah. you couldn't tell from his voice, but he's out there running around his coffee table. I'm he's running fired I'm running up. Ar-
2: I'm running around like Nick Henrich.
0: <laughs> I mean, we're gonna have to like PC's gonna have to calm him down so he doesn't drive 150 miles an hour out to Boulder. You know, <laughs> you, you gotta be safe here, Brunts. Let's try to yeah, contain I... it a little bit. I was, Save some I was also, for the hype cast.
2: I was doing some research on uh starting field position. I so I, I was sorry, I'm just in a barrel of excitement over here.
0: Unbelievable. That's that's great. All right. Let's uh let's bring both of you and myself back. We'll go we'll go find a friend. We'll have a hype cast that'll come up later this week. Uh that'll get people even more fired up for Nebraska, Colorado. Maybe you know what to make things easy. I'll just ask you guys to tell me about 1992, the Halloween game. We'll just we'll just make that a thing. You know, it comes up on. I would say it's probably been discussed on this podcast at least seven times. Uh, so we'll we'll make it eight in the in the hypecast. People can look forward to that. They can check out everything that'll be on Husker247.com. Plenty of coverage from the week already. I will be at Omaha West Side Bell West on Friday, so we'll have coverage of that game as well. I'm trying to figure out if there's a good Thursday game to get to. Uh, it's it's fully high school football season after, after not being able to make a few games. I'm, I'm all in. I'm going to be at games for most of the rest of the year. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing some of Nebraska's commits and targets. So check out everything we got at Husker 24-7. For Brian and Michael Brunson, Mike Schaefer, we're Husker 24-7. We'll catch you at that Hypecast later this week.